Good people of Third Street, bless up. It's time to it's time to it's time to eat. It's time to eat. How you guys doing today? Good. I'm good. Good to hear you speaking back. Good to hear you guys. Good to see you guys. I have the uh, privilege of bringing the word today. If you do not know me, I am one of the pastors here at Third Street, and we are in a new series called Shaping the Church. It's talking about up, in, and out. If you were here last week, Corey uh, started the series by going through each step, up being your relationship with God, in being your relationship with other believers, right? Out being your relationship in the community. Um, Jesus showed us a perfect uh, uh, process of it where he would wake up and he would be with God specifically. He would pray, he would find time, he would find space, and then he would go and he would spend time with the disciples and they would build relationship and he would sharpen them and then they would go out into the community and that's when you would see the sick being healed and you would see the, uh, the, the lame being healed and you would see the blind being healed and you would see communities being changed. But today we're not talking about the end. Today we're not talking about the out. Today we are talking about the up. Today we're talking about how your relationship is with God. How is your relationship with God? When I was preparing for the message, God said, I want you to talk to them about trusting me. Every person who will hear you speak today will have a problem with trusting me in some form or fashion. Today, we're going to be in John chapter 15. We're going to go through verses one through four. And this is my favorite scripture right now. And Jesus says, I am the true vine. My father, he is the vine grower. It says he removes every branch that is in me that is not bearing fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, though, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. It says you have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. The words that I have spoken to you have already put you in a in a position to be connected, to be purged. Right. So then he says this. He says, now I need you to abide in me as I abide in you. Abide in me as I abide in you, just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. This is the posture that I see us going to the Father with. Right? We we come with a lot of stuff. With with suitcases full of stuff. With baggages full of stuff. And what we want is we want to protect our stuff. Me and my family went on a vacation recently. And if you don't know, I have five children. So it's seven of us total. When we go on a vacation, it's tough. It's tough. Doesn't matter if you have a seven passenger van. It's not 
enough room. If you don't have a school bus, it's going to be tight. And the worst part of it is the stuff. Once we get there, we're good. When we walk in the streets, we're good. When everything that we've packed up is in the hotel or in the condo, we're good. But getting there is the problem. It's too much stuff, too many bags, right? So this last vacation, we were going six days, five nights. And Candace is the, she's the packer. She's the, she's the putting the package in the truck. Like she's the person that does all those things. We do the manual labor. We pick it up. We take it outside. What we noticed this time is this time more than any other time is way more stuff, way more bags. And we're, we're looking at it. Okay. This bag is Candace's, but Candace, you got your stuff and Caleb's in it. Okay. So that's accounted for this bag is Kendall's. Okay. Kendall. It's a lot of stuff, but okay. This bag is Lauren's. And Lauren, you got two bags, but one of them is on your back. So you kind of only really have one bag because you can carry that bag with you on your lap. But there's five bags right here. Bags. Five bags right here. Whose bags are these? Because this is my bag, and I feel like I should have the most room because I'm the one that's paying for all of this. So here I am with this one bag. I got three pairs of shoes tied together around my shoulders because I can't fit them in another bag. Because if I bring more than one bag, now I got to hear Candace's mouth. But there's still five bags here, and there's only two people left. What's in these bags? Jordan, is this your bag? Yeah, that's my bag. So who's this bag? Well, that's my bag too. So Jordan, what's in this bag? My shoes. Lauren, where are your shoes at? Oh, they're in that one bag. Candace, where are your shoes at? I didn't bring any extra shoes. So, Jordan, you got a bag just for your shoes? How many pair of shoes are in this bag? Five. Jordan, you got five bags. and one. We're only going to be gone for five days. Are you going to wear a different pair of shoes every single day that we are gone? That's the plan. I, I'm, I'm, I'm fitted up for that. So what's in this bag? My video game system. So you got a video game system bag, a shoes bag, and a bag full of clothes. Okay, so what's in this bag? Whose bag is this? Jeremy, that's my bag. So what's in this bag? My video game system. Hold on. Y'all both are bringing two separate video game systems. What do you think we about to be doing on this vacation? Have you not seen the itinerary? Why are you bringing all of this stuff? God told me the same thing that I had to tell them. Step one, you can't take this with you where we're going. All of this stuff, see, this is what we like to do with God. We, we come to the altar and we, we unpack. Some things that I've been going through, Lord. Some problems that I've been having. Can, can, I, can, I come, can I come to your presence? Can I kneel at your feet and unpack? Can I tell you about my childhood? Can I tell you about my trauma? Can, can I tell you about why I cry? Can I tell you why I can't sleep? Can I tell you about the person I don't like? Can I tell you about why I don't like them? Can I tell you about how that's affecting me? Can I tell you about how, how I'm struggling mentally because of it? Let me unpack with you, Lord. Let me unload with you, God. Let me share with you. 
Let me take some things off the top. God is saying we can't go where we need to go with me, with all that stuff. The fact that you're trying to take all of that stuff. The fact that you brought a suitcase with you to church shows me that you don't trust me. The fact that they brought two video game systems shows me that they don't trust that where we're going is going to be fun. How often have we overpacked things into our lives because we don't trust that where God's taking us, we're, we're going to enjoy I don't, I don't think that I'm going to enjoy where you're taking me, God. So let me bring all my stuff with me. When you say trust, like that's, whew, that's a tough word. When you tell somebody that, that, that you don't trust them or that they don't trust you, like that's, that's tough. To start off there is kind of bold. You kind of got to be Corey to start off with, like God said you don't trust But he made me the co-pastor, so here I go trying. The issue is I know some of you hear trust and you say, come on, KT, don't try to tell me I don't trust God. I love him. I'm committed to him. And, and God told me your love doesn't mean that you trust me. Your commitment to me does not mean that you trust me. Naturally, when you don't trust someone, you start withholding things. You don't talk to them all the time. You don't share everything with them because something has happened that makes me believe that I can't trust you with everything. I can't give myself away so that you can use me. I can only give you some things. And, and the truth about it is, it's a lot more in here that I'm not going to unpack today, God. There's some specific things that I came prepared to give you. And there's some specific things that I came prepared to go home with. Naturally, when we don't trust, we withhold. I'm not telling you everything. And how long are you going to wait on somebody who you don't trust? How long will you stand still in a space waiting for someone that you don't trust to pick you up? You ever been stranded? Anybody got here? Anybody here got that friend that say, I'll be there in five minutes? Corey know where I'm going with this. Not that he's that friend, but we both like the same artist. Five hours later, I'll be there in five minutes. What you end up doing is you end up trying to find directions on your own. How long or how often has the direction game in your life been you telling God where you wanted to go? And because you're not getting directions from him, you just figure it out on your own. Some of us are really good in the end. When I say in, I mean I in. Really good in the end part of ministry. 
really good in the out part of ministry. We, we are attached to it. We love to be around other believers. We love to build. We love when, when, when we can use the, the phrase, iron sharpens iron. We love to be out in community. We love to volunteer. We love to be in the, in, in the kids' service, even though we're an adult. We love to come out to the basketball leagues. We love to be around uh, 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 what, what, what would be termed the world, trying to bring them into the kingdom. We love that process. But how much of us really love the process of being in relationship with God? Really love the process of up. How many times in this season have you found yourself questioning whether what you're doing is being productive? Is it shallow? Is it not going anywhere? Why does it seem like the spaces that I'm in aren't really, ah, they're not really hitting the way I thought that they would be. Why isn't my huddle really, ah, why am I so tired? I had all the energy in the world when I was thinking about watching the game, but then they reminded me that I had huddle and now I'm just tired. Now I'm fatigued and I don't understand why things that I'm doing are shallow. When ministry gets brought up, I'm burnt out. God is saying it's because your up isn't right. Why is it? Why am I not like this used to be life giving? Why isn't it life-giving anymore? God is saying, how can it be life-giving when you have not first yet come to the life? How can you give them the way when you haven't talked to the way? How can you give them the truth when you have not been talking to the truth? How can you be receiving life from doing something and you have not yet come to that which gives life? Only time I hear from you is from other people. I've said this before. I call it secondhand praise. Rachel's like, hey, man, God, KT really loves you. You can see it. You can see it through his passion. You can see it through how he preaches. You can see it. You can see it when we talk. He really loves you. And God's like, but for real, I haven't talked to KT in two weeks. Secondhand praise. You always talking to somebody else about God, but have not yet talked to God. You love the end because you get to talk about someone who is amazing. You get to talk about how much you love him and how much you're committed to him, but you don't love the up because you don't trust him. Can we get the scripture back up here? I want to show verse two. There's a difference between church people and fruit people. He says, I'm the true vine. My father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. It said every branch that's in him. That's church people. You're in the church, but there's no fruit. You love him. You committed to him, but you're not abiding in him. You're not trusting him. Your love for him is actually attached to what he can do for you, not what you can do for him. So what you've treated church as is you've treated church as your lottery. Let me see if I can guess the right scripture. If I can put just enough money in on this scripture when I tithe. And maybe I'll win the jackpot. 
and God will give me everything that I want for me. And God is saying, you're like the kid at the barbershop. Every time I go to prune you, you move. I can't cut you right. You always squirming. You always yelling. You always crying. When are you going to act like you trust me? I understand why Caleb doesn't allow for Cisco to cut his hair. He don't know him. I understand why the three-year-old is moving around, squirming, crying, and flipping out. I've never seen this person before. And as soon as he touches this thing, I hear a noise that I'm not used to. So, of course, every time I hear that around my ear, I'm moving. God is saying right here, I'm about to start removing people that start moving every time I go to cut. I don't have time to be trying to prune you all the time and you moving and you squirming and you crying and you acting like you don't know me and you don't trust me. He said, but those that bear fruit, you can tell when I go to prune them that it's not a process that they like, but they allow it. And I couldn't cut them off if I wanted to because they're bearing fruit. In order for a branch to bear fruit, it's got to be so connected to the root. If I tried to cut them off, I would hurt myself in the process. You've already been cleansed by the word. You've already gotten to a place to where you bear fruit. But even though you're doing good, trust me when I tell you, the place that we're going, you can't take all this stuff with. There's something that you're about to be going through. Woo! Trust, the word trust is a legal term. Did I say that already? Let me go there for two seconds. The word trust is a legal term. We've turned it into a personal relationship where I say, I trust you, you trust me. That's not the way trust started. That's why in the legality times, it's like uh, they call it a trust, right? So trust legally is what that word or trust is how that legally trust is a word that was created to talk about the law, right? So there's two ways that we are not trusting God. Some of us don't trust God enough to stop sinning. How often have we said to God, as soon as I get done, Then me and you can, I promise you, like, soon as me and what I have is done, soon as I'm done smoking and drinking and being in everybody's bed, soon as I'm done fixing me, then me and you can really get to a space to where huddle is what I'm looking for. That's the type of trust that some of us are struggling with. Some of us trust God when it comes to our righteousness. But we don't trust God when it comes to our finances, when it comes to our time, when it comes to everything else that does not involve sin. So these are the two things that we're struggling with. And this is why this scripture is so dope. God is trying to take us from a church state to a fruit state. When you look at the, 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 at the situation, John 14 is where Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit coming. He talks about everything that he's about to have to go through. And then at the end of John 14, he tells everybody, like, stand up, let's go. John 18 is where Jesus is arrested. So 15, 16, and 17 are chapters where God, where Jesus is talking to his disciples about what it is that's about to happen next. I need to grow you. Because what's about to happen next, you can't have last season's trust. 
because I'm going to go and trust me when I tell you as soon as they pull out their swords, some of you going to pull out your swords and I didn't teach you that. Soon as they grab me and punch me, some of you going to take off running and I didn't teach you that. Soon as they crucify me, some of you are going to go back to fishing and I didn't teach you that. So in 15, 16 and 17, I have to put you in a place where you trust me, where you'll stay, where you'll abide. What happens next? That next season, that next trial, that next encounter. Last season's peace ain't going to get it. Last season's joy isn't going to get it. He said, I'm taking you from glory to glory. I'm taking you from faith to faith. I'm trying to get you to another level because what you were, what you were praising with me last season in and what, what you believed me for and last season, I need you to go to another level. And you can't do that in end. I can't do that with Jeremy. I can't do that with Corey or Brian. I can't do that with Julian. I can't do that with man. I can't do that in out. I can't work my way into a better relationship with you. I can't work my way into more peace or more joy. I can only get that in up. He's saying, I need you to spend some time with me. What did he do 15, 16, and 17 before he got to 18? He spent time with them. Let me stop before we start this journey. I know I told you to get up so we can walk. But before we start walking, let me tell you this. My father is this. I am this. And I need you to abide. Before we even put a footstep towards the journey of where we're going, I need you to know that I need you to trust me with this next season in your life. When trust is absent, confusion is present. God does not want confusion in your life. And he's asking the question, can you trust me enough to lead that with me? Step two. Step two, can you trust me enough to lead that with me? I know you think you needed that. That's why you packed it. I know you packed it because you had plans for it. I know that you worked for it. There's a show called Ted Lasso. Amazing show. I just started watching it. In the pilot, there's this dude named Nate. He's like the team manager. And there's a part where Nate is, Nate is far off. But what Nate's job is, it's to take care of everything. So he's tended to the grass, right? He's cut the grass. He's lined it up. He's the one that will come out after games. When people didn't really understand the importance of the grass and they've created divots and all these holes, he's the one that would fix it. He's put time in. He's put effort in. He's shown how much he loves the grass. And what happens in the show is Ted Lasso shows up. And when Ted Lasso shows up and he goes to touch the grass, Nate is far off away. He can't see who Ted is from where he is. But what he can see is you're touching the grass. You're touching the thing that I have worked very hard to fix. The thing that I've worked very hard to make everyone see that I'm capable of doing great things. The thing that I've put a lot of effort in. The thing that I've, that I've, that I've made my craft. I see you touching it from where I am. So what happens is Nate comes running across the grass. Stop touching the grass. Stop touching it. Stop, 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 stop. And then he gets close and he says, why would you be touching the grass? What are you doing? And Ted says, well, I'm Ted Lasso. I'm the new manager of the team. 
When he gets close enough to where he recognizes who he is, he says, oh, okay, you can touch that. Not only can you touch that, but I got some more grass in the back. I got some more things in the back that I've been working on that I also want you to touch. God is saying, can you trust me with that thing that you've been working so hard on? And when you were far away and you didn't know who I was, you were still touching it. You were still fixing it. You were trying to make it look good. But when you get close enough to me that recognize that I am God, will you tell me there's some more things that I got back here that I still would love for you to touch? Peter said, if you go to if you gonna watch this, I got some more things on my body, Lord, that I would love for you to wash. I come to the understanding of why you're washing feet and who you are. And I don't want you to just wash my feet no more. But everything that is in me, will you wash? God wants to know, will you let him keep that? Do you trust him enough with the things in your life that you've been preparing? That you've been molding? That you've been working on? Will you let him keep that? He knows what you've been doing. He knows how things have happened to where people have messed up things in your life, just like the grass. And you've been the one that's had to go back and fix it. You've been the one that's been spending night in and night out fixing things that other people have messed up in your life. But now are you comfortable enough with the Lord to say, I brought this to you for you to keep it? There's a woman in the Bible that Jada was talking about earlier this week. And the Bible says that this woman, she, she specifically went to the well at a time of the day that she knew that she would be alone. And the Bible says that when she got there, Jesus was there already. And the Bible said that she had a water pot and she put the water pot down in verse seven of, of, of John chapter four, I believe. Doesn't matter. It's in the Bible. The Bible says in verse seven that she puts the she puts the water pot down because she came with the expectation that this would be filled, not this. If that wasn't dope with you, then I'm going to say it again. She came with the expectation that she could put the water pot down and that when she left that this would be filled. She had no expectation of this being filled. So then the Bible says through verse 8 through 28 that Jesus starts pouring in. And my expectation is, though that Jesus was pouring in, what you see in the Bible is you see a lot of combativeness from the churchy person. She starts talking about churchy stuff. She starts talking about what the elders have said. She started talking about what her people had said. She didn't say any thus saith the Lord type of conversations within God. So what I believe is when she put the water pot down, even though Jesus was speaking, she was still turning. She was still trying to get water because she had the expectation of this being filled, not this being filled. But in verse 28, it says she finally got to the point to where this was filled. And she didn't need this anymore. And she was so filled by this that she left this with Jesus and she walked away. God is asking, can you leave the water pot? That which you seriously had a plan to bring. When you get it to my feet and I feel this and this is filled too. Do you want this field and this field? Or is this field enough for you to walk away from that? Do you trust me enough to leave that with me? Do you trust me enough 
that when you've done all the work to feel this, but I did the work to feel this, that this is no longer important. Or have you worked so hard to get over that molestation that you're going to carry it with you regardless? You worked so hard to get over that breakup that I don't care what you do, God, I'm taking that breakup with me. I'm taking the pain with me. I'm taking the trauma with me. I'm taking the tearful nights with me. There's no way that I can leave this with you because I worked so hard. It's very difficult. Anybody tried to help somebody move when you fool? Just baddie. Like this is full. This is time to go to sleep. But you trying to move a couch? Real talk. Me and Batty pulled a couch over somebody's roof. <laughs> we tied it up to a rope. And we had somebody's, it was me, Batty, and Julian. We had, and Blake, we had somebody up, to, up top. We had two people down low. I just got done eating. And we picking a, a couch up, and we got people in the living room pulling a rope from the top. And we pushing it from the bottom. Trust me when I tell you, it's very difficult to pull, push something that's heavy when you're full. I know from experience. Some of us have been wondering, why am I always tired? But I know the Lord. Because you fool trying to carry a water pot. God wants you to leave the water pot where it is. He said, I know you're heavy burden. I know you're heavy laden. Leave that with me. Don't carry that. Last step. Last step is you do, I do. You do, I do. Seems simple enough. Abide in me, and I will abide in you. This is not a suggestion. If you write notes, I want you to, I want you to write down in your notes, reread verse 4. And then reread the whole chapter. There's times in John. Chapter 15 that he gives suggestions. Abide in me is not one of them. It's a command. I command you to abide in me. And I in you. There's an external call that God has. It's believe in me. That's the gospel for the world. The gospel for the world is believe in me. The gospel for the church is abide in me. That's so good, Lauren. Abide in me is the gospel for believers. He says, whomsoever liveth believeth in me should I never die. That's the gospel for the world. That's for all of us. That's for everyone who has ever been born. 
It says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whomsoever believeth in him shall never perish, but have eternal life. That's the gospel for the world. That's to bring us in. But once we get to a place where we're connected to the root, connected to the tree, now it's time to abide in him. Trust me. I'm asking for you to stay with me now. I'm, I'm asking for your expectation. I'm asking for you to endure. I'm asking for you to dwell. I'm asking for you to be present. I'm asking for you to remain. I'm asking for you to tarry. I'm asking for you to be long suffering. I'm asking for you to stand. I'm asking for you to be steady. I'm asking for you not to worry. I'm asking for you to trust in me. I'm asking for you to abide in me. But this is the dope part about it. We were talking recently about what it is to be a disciple. We get so caught up in being fruit that we forget about being the branch. We have turned church into our in. We have turned church into our out. You can thank Brandon for that, for that little phrase right there. We've turned church into our cuddle time, our time to see our friends, our time to make sure that we catch up with the people that we forgot to text earlier this week. That's why it takes so long for us to get into worship because we didn't come here to worship. We came here to kick it. We didn't come here to get better in our up. We came here to get better in our end. And we were talking about this discipleship tool, which is a tool for your end. And it talked about the four stages. And the four stages is I do, you watch. I do, you help. Then it goes to you do, I help. Then it goes to you do, I watch. And God is saying that's for your end. But for your up, you do. I do with your up you do I do so let's go over this again you stay with me I'll stay with you you have an expectation for me I'll have an expectation for you if you endure I'll endure if you dwell I'll dwell if you tarry I'll tarry whatever it is that you do for me trust me when I tell you I'm standing here waiting to do it for you you've been wondering why things haven't been going the way that you I'm just waiting for you I'll honor everything that you want in your end with just you and I'm not there I'll let you do everything you want to do when you're out because it's just you and I'm not there. But the only way that I can be in your in and the only way that I can be in your out is if you're with me in the up. I'll be long suffering with you. I'll be patient with you. It's a you do and I do. The worst thing as a coach to have is a team that you know you can't win with. They're good enough for me to put you on the roster. I know what you're capable of, but I know when we get on this court, we're going to get smacked. There's a kid named DP. Um, I believe he's the number one ranked guard in the nation. Um, his name is Darren Peterson, and if you didn't know, he actually works out here. Um, I'd say almost every news station that you can think of, except ESPN, has been literally right here. Watching him work out in our gym, um, watching him, talking to him. And the reason why it's so dope to see him here 
is because he's not just here when the cameras are on. That's tough. He's not just here when people are watching. The reason why he's gotten to a space that the camera crews will come is because when all the lights are off, he's the one that comes and turns them on. He's here at 12 o'clock at night putting shots up. And I know some people would hate and say, but he's six foot six. I know 12 six foot six people in Canton that can't tie their shoes and walk at the same time. And the reason why is because they won't put work in. They're good enough to be on the team, but their coach knows that they're going to lose with them. How many of us have God looked at and said, I know that you're good enough to be on my team. But I also know that we losing. I know that we can't win. Because I know that you're. My sons aren't in this gym as much as DP, and their father has the keys. You know what I'm saying? He got to call somebody else to get in. There's people who don't have a connection with the father that's going harder in the paint than those of us who have connection to the Father that has the keys to what you want. But I'm only going to go to the first session of Huddle, and I'm good. I'm only going to go to the first session of Summer Studies, and I'm good. You're in a church state. You can't be in a fruit state and not want everything that it takes to bear fruit. You're hoping you hit the lotto so you can get everything that God promised you in his word. Not everything that God promised in his word. I'm going to say that one more time. You're only thinking about the you in the scripture, not the kingdom. So you're willing to do everything that's possible to get you right. To get yours but all the extra stuff that Third Street talking about, yeah, I'm good on that. It's quiet as a mouse in this boy. Trust is a relationship in which the holder of property gives it to another person or entity who must keep and use it solely for another's benefit. God didn't give you his trust so you can have it. There's some people in here with money. The people in here with money know exactly what I'm talking about. I'm not leaving Lauren money so she can spend it on herself. That's not what a trust is. I'm giving you so that another person may be able to benefit from what I've given you. Some of us can't wait for the death so that we can ball out. I can't wait till I get what God trusted me. I'm about to get a caddy on 20s. I can't wait till Obama and Biden figure it out and give me these reparations. I'm about to get this. <laughs> I can't wait till I get mine so I can get mine. It's all this stuff that I've been trying to get. And God is saying, but what about the stuff that you took out? Because this is what we're going to do after church. This was good. Lord, I appreciate everything that you gave to KT. But let me put all my trauma back in this bag. Because it was good while it lasted, but I have no plans of actually leaving this here with you, Lord. But I appreciate the extra things that you gave me. 
And I'm going to go ahead and take this back home with me. Because I don't trust you. There's a benefit in being a part of this body. And trust me when I say it's not me. It's that God is here. Like look to your left, your right, and behind you. Real chop. Let's chop it up real. Where is this going on at? Period. In this county. Where you see black and white people worshiping together? Nowhere. Don't tell me God ain't here. God is here. The proof is in the pudding. We keep growing. We keep adding. Another person in leadership. Another person doing this. Connecting with another group of people. Connecting with another organization. You don't got to go far. You just got to want fruit. You got to be still so he can prune. Stand with me and I'll stand with you. Tarry with me and I'll tarry with you. I'll be as patient as the word is. I'll be as patient as it's defined as. If you can just be patient with me. It has been a blessing giving you this message. And I truly, truly hope that it's pierced your heart in a way that you are willing and ready to change.